You know, heaven's not a quiet place. You know that, right? <clears throat> Y'all just got so quiet. Hey, thanks, Jacob. Appreciate that. Good morning to you, sir. It's Mr. King, by the way, for those of you that do not know Mr. King. Is that your pops? Gotcha. Your pops, pretty cool guy. Yeah, I got to get myself in order. Y'all give me a minute. I certainly hope this is not on Facebook right now. Oh, it is? What's up? Waiting on Greg. He's slow. Let's um let's go to let's let's go here. This will be fun. This will be fun. Let's go to First Corinthians chapter thirteen, the thirteenth verse, Mr. Staniland, since you're running the machine, I can do whatever I want to this morning. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Okay. Everybody good this morning? Yeah. Everybody saddled? Amen. You know, 10,000 words from a man won't do much for you, but one word from God will change you forever. Forever. Yep. I'm just letting, I'm, I don't know, I'm just I'm like, kind of letting it soak in. I got something to say, but I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do right now. Hmm. It will. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Paul's watching right now going, what's he doing? Is he posting messages? Tell Greg to go ahead and preach. I don't know. Oh, all right, y'all. Everybody ready? Yeah, it's like, hurry up, Greg. I don't know. There's just something, something cooking. Just give it a minute. By the way, y'all see my tag, my name tag? It's not my name on here. Okay. This is a signature straight from Terry Bray himself. This is a Terry Bray signature. Okay. My shirt now is automatically worth a whole lot more just because this signature is on here. Thank you, T-Bray. Appreciate you, man. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you, Father, that as we, as we hear your word, that we, we are ready, we prepared, our ground is ready for your good word. It's seed that's sown into our good ground that is our heart, Father. And we pray that fruit will abound because of the goodness of your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody agree with that said, amen. Now abide, faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Is that the scripture that we got up there? I think that's the one I asked for. You know, the Christian walk and, and what we do, you know, is, is really kind of simple. It really is. We, we have a tendency to overcomplicate the things of God. Uh, we all do it. Everybody is, is guilty is not the right word, but we're all... We're all, we all get in that vein where we begin to, to, to complicate that which he has made so simple and so easy for us. He's telling us in here, Paul is telling us at the, in the scripture that we're to abide in faith, hope, and love. That, that you abide in these things. That it, there's, there's like a, it's like a, y'all know the, the wedding thing, the three banded cord or whatever it is, you know. The, 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 you know, there's, there's tends to be threes all throughout the Bible. You got faith, hope, hope and love. And all of you, or most of you, know that you know if you've got a tower, like you know those those uh, like a 
like a like like a uh, cell phone tower. Thank you. If they go high enough, they'll put uh, they'll put they'll rig them with these with these lines that hold them. How many do they do, do they use? Three. Why? Because with three of them, you kind of got all your angles kind of kind of propped up properly. You know, if in fact the wind blows in any direction at that point, as long as you've got those three things up there sturdy, it'll hold that 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 cell phone tower uh, in a, in the correct place. And it won't budge. Same thing with a table. A three-legged table will stand, but a two-legged table won't. But a three-legged table will. A three-legged dog can walk around. Two-legged dog has a hard time. They go put the little wheels behind them and they pull. You ever see that? Right? Y'all laugh, but I think we're going to have to do it with Teddy. We have two outside dogs. They're kind of a mixed breed kind of thing. They're just cute and best dogs ever. Best dogs or cheap dogs. Just telling you. And so anyway... Uh, uh, Teddy and Ru but, but Teddy got some something going on with her back legs, and so she's having to kind of walk on her front and kind of hold herself up with her back, you know. So we're going to have to eventually probably get her some wheels. She's going to look good in them. We're going to paint it. going to make it look right for her so she can, you know, get around pretty good. But if one of those back legs was working real good, she'd be all right, you know. Dog can get by with three, you know. And it's the same thing with us. We have three important things that we are to abide in. That's what Paul's saying here. Faith, hope, and love. Now we have we have to abide in faith because faith is the thing that pleases God. Okay? Faith, faith is the thing that we use to, to, to operate in the Christian walk. As we do what we do, and as we begin to progress through whatever it is that God has asked us to do, it requires faith for us to be able to move forward. Okay? It's, it's a requirement, and, it, and it's, I'm not only talking about faith that will move mountains, but also faith in Him to bring to pass, you know, so they're, they're like faith, faith is, is a kind of a wide word, you know, it's, 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 it's got a, it's got a pretty, pretty wide range that it covers, you know, it can mean the faith that moves mountains and does this and, and actually becomes a, you know, it can become a, a, a verb in your life, and it's a doing, it's an action thing, and then faith can also be be a trust thing that is also an action. Then faith can become a noun, you know, and, and be like what we believe in our faith that we believe in. It's a, it's a wide word. And, and, and the Bible is telling us to abide in that faith. We're to, the just shall live the, by faith is what the Bible says in other places. That it's something we should live by. In fact, I'll tell you this, that if, if the Bible said that you shall live by, the just shall live by balancing a ball on their head, I could promise you that if you were the just person, you would be walking around all day long trying to balance a ball on your head. Right? Because that's the way you're supposed to live. The just shall live by walking around backwards. So we would go to walking around backwards, right? We would probably be some of the best backwards walkers you could ever see. Some of the best ball balancers. Am I making sense here? So, so from, from what Paul is telling us, that you abide faith, hope, and love, faith, the just shall live by faith. We should be living by this thing. We should be just absolutely the, the absolute best faithers that can faith. Right? And why is it that we have to be the best faithers that can faith? Because faith is what gives a substance to the things that we hope for. Romans tells us that God is the God of all hope. Hope is like, 
It's, it's an expectation of something good that's going to take place that God is planted on the inside of it. It gives you hope. It's a vision. It's something to look forward to. It's something that we see out there. And what our faith does, our faith becomes a lasso that we take and we throw at that thing that God has put in is that vision that's out there and we latch on to it and we go to pull that thing into existence. It gives substance to it. Faith is the substance the thing hoped for, the evidence of things you cannot see. The only way you know that I have hope is because my faith in that hope is, is seeable. You can see it. It's the evidence that it's there. It's the evidence that God has given me some sort of vision, some place to be, some place to go, something to do. That hope that's out there becomes real because of the faith that I have or that we have. Is making sense. And God, since he is the God of all hope, he is there to see over and watch over your vision. He doesn't just give you something as a vision and then let you go and leave it alone. No, he calls himself the God of that hope. He is the presiding being over what he's told you to do and what he's asked you to do, what he's shown you he wants you to do. The creator of the universe sees to you and what you're supposed to be doing. He sees to you. It is his responsibility to be the God of that hope. I'm kind of watching some weird stuff right now on TV. And um, one, of the, one of the shows that I'm watching the, the particular people have like a bunch of different gods and each one of the gods that they worship is over a, a particular area of their life like they got the god that does this and they got the god that does that and got the god that does this and they got the god that does that we have it so much simpler and easy we have the god the god the great i am who presides and sees over everything in our lives and sees to us every single day. And he is the God of that hope that you and I have, that vision. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that's working in us. What's that talking about? It's talking about hope. Cameron got up here a few minutes ago. Cameron, I mean, he, he, he killed it. Where'd he go? Where you go, Cameron? There you are, Bubba. Killed it, man. Good word. Good word. Because that, that vision that God placed in him while he was sitting back here playing the drums was go up there and deliver my word. And that was the hope that got placed in Cameron. So now Cameron has an expectation of God moving in his life. Now with that expectation, there is potential energy that begins to build up on the inside of him and his spirit. This potential that God will do what God says he's going to do and God will meet him where God says he's going to meet him. And that potential energy is something that we call, we don't even call it this, that potential energy, energy pushes us to the point of a thing that we call faith. To where we will actually believe enough to get up and meet God where God told us to meet him at. That's how this thing works. Is this making sense, y'all? It's one thing to believe that God's going to do it. It's something completely different to get out there and let him do it. Let him. So many times we're waiting on God, you know, and I know y'all have heard this, but it's so much truth behind it. There's this potential 
that we sense on the inside of us that our believer is cranked up so high we just believe God can do quote unquote anything right but that's as far as we take it to where we don't ever flip the switch and flip the switch over to where I want my hope my vision to show up right here I want to drive it I want to live in it I want to work with it I want to, I want to, I want to touch it I want to feel it I want it to become real and I believe that God can do it so now I have to flip the switch of faith and begin to let God move and let Him work in my life. And just like, I love it, Cameron. He, he just, he walked right out. We did not practice that. that. We did not do that in rehearsal this morning. Now by faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these, even though God is the God of vision, of hope, Gives us hope. Gets us an expected end. Something that we can look forward to. Not only has He given us faith so we can remove mountains and take a mountain and move it over here or, or, or take that lasso and pull that vision into place and make it to where it's something that we can look at. Not only has all of that, not only do we have all that, out of all, and that's pretty daggum good. That's, that's like a, a, I'm like, wow, okay. God can give me something, a vision, and then I'm, I, you know, I believe Him and I move on it and act like it's real and it is. That's pretty freaking awesome. But Paul says here, but the greatest of these three things that I'm talking about is love. Roll my film. Roll that beautiful bean footage. Setting it up. Lawnmower won't crank and I can't figure out why. Do it again, Mike. <laughs> Listen. I'll see if you can figure out what's wrong with this thing. Won't crank up and everything seems to be put together now. Everything seems well, to be I'll right. Finish. Okay, stop back by. Don't worry about it. It ain't got no gas, in it? You see there, Scooter? Things are the simplest things first. You see there, Scooter? Thinks of the simplest things first. That's why love is the greatest. And I know I said it last week, but we're still going on. It's the gas in the tank that makes all of it work. Might go to First uh, Corinthians. Go to the go to the beginning of this chapter that we're in, chapter thirteen. It makes everything work. Everything. And no, in fact, I'm going to mess with you. Go to uh, chapter 12, the last verse of chapter 12, please. It, it makes the, the lawnmower one crank. So you got all these guys standing around, and they said, they said everything seems to be in its, you know, it all looks like it's supposed to be working. Everything seems to be in the place that it's supposed to be in. Seem to be doing all the right things, acting right. I'm holding my mouth right, daggummit. I know I am. And the tractor still won't crank. And 
I can't remember who Billy Bob thought. I can't remember the name of the guy. Yeah, what was his real name, though? Yeah. I don't know the guy's name in the movie. What, Paul? Carl. Okay, so Carl comes up and walks up who loves French fried taters with, with a mustard on them and looks at the simplest thing first. The name is that. Scooter. There he goes the simplest things first. We complicate what we do for God. We complicate this thing. We try to make this thing hard because we feel like since the reward with God is so great that we have to work hard for it. We feel like we have to do something hard to get a great re reward. And since the reward is so magnificent, I need to do, I got to make it hard. It can't be that easy and that simple. Are we, did you get me there, Michael? Sweet. This is the last scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is the chapter where he talks about the spiritual gifts. Paul is talking about tongues and interpretation in tongues. He's talking about prophecies. He's talking about words of wisdom, words of knowledge. Faith, special faith, special healings. He's talking about the miracle working power of the Holy Spirit that resides on the inside of every believer that walks the face of this earth. All of chapter 12 are things that the world and us are looking for. We want to hear from God. We want to see God. We want to see God operate. We want to experience the operation of God. Who would like to have a miracle today? And every hand should go up. I would like to have one, wouldn't you? A miracle would be nice today. Special faith. You know, I'd love to have enough faith to just kind of special, you know, just believe something and poof, there it is. And it all just happens. Wouldn't it be nice? Right? I mean, who doesn't want these things that are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? And then, if you go to chapter 14, you just stay there, Michael. Don't, don't go zipping around. Thank you. If you go to chapter 14, he talks about how all of that power is supposed to operate in the church. How it's supposed to move in the church. How it's supposed to be the order that, that attaches itself to the movement of God is what verse or chapter 14 is about. Like, read your Bible. The Bible that we, that we have, you know, just read it. 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Read them. It lays out the power of God and how we as a church are supposed to operate in it and what its function is. All of that. And right smack that. Look here. This is 1 Corinthians 12. He just got through naming out all the gifts of the Spirit is what we call. There's nine of them. And he lays them out and tells you what they are. And all of these gifts have, have special just to them. And he just laid it out. And he says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. There's nine of them. You need to desire the best ones. And we ain't got time to get into all that, but that's just what he said. All right, cool. We'll do that. He said, and yet, which and yet is another way of saying, but. Do y'all know that? If somebody says, and yet, if they say that, then they're saying, but it's the same thing. Y'all with me? I'm getting a lot of blank stares. Y'all ain't, ain't been in ELA in a while, huh? What did we call it whenever we were in school? We didn't call it ELA. We called it language. Language arts. 
just language, and now it's ELA, which is English language. language right? Gotcha. Yeah, and yet, but, anyway, desire the best gifts, but, and yet, I will show you what? A more excellent way. Next verse, please, Michael. In your, this is what your Bible says. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Next one. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Next one. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. He just went through all the power stuff, the Holy Spirit. Oh. And names out all this miracle working power. He said, but I'm going to show you a better way. Even though I can speak with tongues, even though I do have prophecy, even though I do have faith that I can remove mountains, even though I will martyr myself and give myself up and let myself be burned from the glory of God, if I do any of that without love, there is no profit in it. It ain't nothing. It ain't nothing. It ain't nothing. It's not working. You push around a lawnmower that ain't buzzing. You just you pull a cord and it ain't making no noise. Man, what you doing? I'm cutting the grass. No, you ain't. Cut no grass. And we as Christians want to understand why we're so tired. So tired. It's so weary. Maybe your blade ain't turning on your tractor. I don't know. Might want to go check the simple things. Keep going, Michael. Oh, this one right here. Wait, go back. In the, uh, it, it says, it says, I'll give my body to be burned, but have not love. It profits me nothing. In the Amplified, it says, I become a useless nobody. God can't even use you. You out there doing all that work and he can't use you. Is that what it says? No, no, the old school amplified, not the new one. Is that the old school? Verse 3? Oh, well. Anyway, put me back. Put me back. One of them. Message Bible something. I don't know. All right. Though I bestowed all my goods, feed the poor, give a body, but it promised me nothing. I'm becoming useless, some nobody. That's in one of them. Find it for me, Travis. <laughs> Verse 4, please. Check this out. Right here in this spot between verses 4 and 8, Paul actually begins to define God. He defines the great I am. He defines Jehovah. Well, what do you mean, Greg? Where are you getting that from? Because in John, 1 John chapter 4 or 5, John brings out that God is love. And this, this love right here, the, the, the Greek word that they used whenever they first penned it, whenever Paul wrote it down, was the word agape, which agape is the love of God. It's God. He is love. Whenever John said God is love, he said God is agape. That's what he is. So right here, Paul is going to define for you and me and the entire world the deep things of God. If you grab verses 4 through 8 and begin to 
understand it, you are beginning to understand Jehovah himself. The closer you get to him, the simpler things will become. He's going to define him right here. Look at this. What does it say? Love suffers long and is kind. The old school says patient and kind. It does not envy and does not parade itself. and It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave rudely. does not seek its own. It's not provoked. And it thinks no evil, which means to keep an account of a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. The next one. Love, what? Never fails. But where there are prophecies, they, they will fail. Somebody can prophesy over you and it just don't work out. It can fail. Whether there are tongues, they may cease. They will. We won't need them in heaven, I promise. Because you'll have a clear understanding. Whether there, they'll cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Heaven and earth will vanish away, but my word never, the, the knowledge will just vanish away. Keep going. Verse 9. Because I don't have it memorized. For we know a part, and we prophesy in part. Keep going, Michael. I'm going to go all the way to the end of the chapter, man. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. I'm just talking about Jesus' return. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But whenever I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror darkly or dimly. But then, when Jesus comes, we'll be able to see everything real clear. Because what we see right now is dim. Can't see it all. Now I know in part, but then I will know just as also I am known. Wow. Keep going. And now abide faith, hope, and love these three. But the greatest of these is love. Go back to verse 4. I mean, I went through the whole chapter. You want to know why? Because it's about that long. It's simple. It's simple. But if we can grab a hold to it, it can become something very profound in our lives. Love is patient and is kind. That means that God is patient and kind. That means that he is patient and kind with you and everybody else. And he requires you to be that way with them too. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. There's the useless nobody. Thank you very much. You're the man. I told Travis to find it. Did he text you? Woman. Excuse me. Okay. All right. All right. Well, get me back. Get me back. See, I told you it was on there. What is that? That's the Amplified, isn't it? Ah, verse 2. Gotcha. Get me back where I was, though. I was on a roll. Thank you. God is patient and kind with you and with everybody else and requires you to be that way, too. God does not envy you, nor does he envy anybody else, and he requires that of you. Isn't this fun? I love it. God does not parade himself around. <laughs> In front of you or other people. 
and requires the same of you. God is not puffed up. My God. I can't believe. With you or anybody else, and he requires the same of you. We're getting at this in verse 5, Mr. Mr. Stanley, please. God does not behave rudely with you or with other people and requires the same of me. God does not seek his own with you or with anybody else, and he requires the same of me. God is not, one of the translations says, easily provoked, because some of us, our fuse is about that long. I'm in that crew. I'm in the short fuse crew. Those of you that know me, you know the I don't even know if it's that long. Man, I'll pop off in a minute. Don't you meet me at Walmart on a bad day. I'll blow up. <laughs> playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. God is not provoked. He's not easily provoked with you or with anybody else. And he requires the same of me. Hmm. God thinks no evil, which means to keep an account of something that was done wrong to them, which is unforgiveness that we talked about last week. He doesn't do that with you or with anybody else. And he requires the same of me. Verse 6. God does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth with you and everybody else and he requires the same of me next verse God can bear everything that comes his way from you and from other people and he requires the same of me God believes that some translations say he's the, the best of all people God believes all things he believes the best of everybody and you and requires the same of me. Y'all liking this? Isn't this fun? God will hope the best in every situation. That's what this hopes all things. He will expect the best and hope the best and believe the best in every situation with every person, including you and everybody else, and requires the same of who? me one of them says that God can endure all things without weakening when it comes to you and other people and he requires the same of me next one however if we do all of this God's love on the inside of us that's been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. God's love in you and in me will not fail ever. If you're in a situation that you feel like it's not going to work out and you just don't really know how it's going to come down, you just don't know what I'm going to do. Put love in it. Love is the secret ingredient in every recipe of life that you could ever walk in that, that leads to total victory. It's say, y'all remember, what was the, what was it? It was it a, I think it was, was it, it was a detergent or something, a washing detergent, and it was an ancient Chinese secret. Y'all remember that from the 80s? What was that, what was that commercial? Huh? Was it, no, Calgon took me away. 
Y'all remember ancient Chinese secret? Y'all remember that? I can't think of the product either. I want to say it was like it was like some sort of detergent or something because the their clothes were so clean and and it just uh, how'd you get my clothes so clean? Ancient Chinese secret. And they're using like they're using like gain or something, huh? Oh, it's a Calgon water softener. Excuse me, I thought Calgon took me away. I was wrong. Marvelly was right. Calgon water softener. Ancient Chinese secret. Y'all don't know this stuff. I'm I am way too old now. I'm getting all these blanks there. It's like, oh, what is he talking about? Like, like if you ever have time, it was the 70s. Yeah, I was a child of the 70s and the 80s. Yeah, if you ever get a chance, just go watch YouTube and type in old school commercials, and it's funny, okay? But anyway, the ancient secret for every recipe of life, every area of your life, anything you can and will do, the ancient secret is love. Add love. And you will not fail. Guaranteed success. Guaranteed success in every area of your life by simply adding love. Love will not fail. Every area of your life, anything you're coming across, no matter what it is, add love because love will not fail. You are guaranteed to win. You are guaranteed to win. It will not fail because it puts the gas in the tractor and everything starts working like it's supposed to work. Why? Because I put love in it. And if you respond with love and act with love and move with love and walk with love and make love your primary focus, Michael, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. You make it your primary focus, you will never fail. Ever. I expected a little bit more of a response on this. But it's true. Y'all may not believe it, but I do. God believes it with me. Y'all might think I lost my mind, but I have not. Complete and total victory in every area of your life by adding one ingredient. Love. Jesus said a new commandment that I've given to you that, you, that you love your neighbor as I have loved you. Don't love your neighbor like you want to. You love your neighbor like I love you, which is what is being defined here in these scriptures. You do that, and you have fulfilled the full, complete Ten Commandments that was passed down, plus the other 120 that the Levitical people tried to add to it after the Ten Commandments came down from Mount Sinai. You will fulfill it all. Pursue love and desire spiritual good. That, that term is pursue love. And I think it's in the Amplified. It says make it your quest. Oh man, I got to show y'all something. Y'all, everybody looking at me like I done lost my mind. And it's okay. I have gone crazy. I go crazy when it comes to this. Oh, where's that at, Lord? Did I not put it in my notes? 
if you walk in love, what I'm talking about, you ain't got to stick to me, it's all right. You walk in love and do verses 4 through 8. Patient, kind, tend, you know, keep counting stuff wrong. Will you murder somebody if you're feeling that way? Okay, so there's one of the ten that we got covered. Y'all see where I'm coming from here? Are you going to honor your father and your mother by doing that? Probably so. There's two. Are y'all smelling when I'm stepping in here? It is one thing that we have to know, understand, and do. If we do that, the rest of it comes together just fine. Talking to a good friend of mine yesterday afternoon. We talked for about two and a half hours. And I told him this. I said, man, it's like there's this big, huge clock that we call life. And sometimes it just don't tick right. And you got all these different cogs and stuff. Oh, by the way, I'm over time. If you got to go, bye. I love you. Have a good day. Um, it's got all these moving parts in it. And all this stuff is clicking around. Anybody ever looked at the inside of a real clock? how it works you got all this stuff going on and I said all this stuff is just moving around moving around moving around and then all of a sudden there's a problem and the clock's not ticking right and there's a million different things that could be wrong all God is saying is do this one adjustment and the clock will go ticking correctly again one adjustment we want to make it hard we want to just I don't know what we do. I don't know what we do. We just, we just like, we have to make it hard. It's not hard. One adjustment. Pursue love. Make it your greatest quest. I heard a minister say, his name was Bill Bush. He's gone on to be with the Lord. Bill Bush said, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, it says love is patient and kind. If you said you figure that out, you'll move mountains and not have any problems in life, guaranteed if we just figure out being patient and kind. Just figure that one out. You begin to operate like God. You sound like God. You look like God and you act like Him. The angels are thinking, well, that's God. I thought He was up here on the throne, but I mean, He's moving in earth too. Wow, look at Him. He's just everywhere. He's omnipresent, including in them. One thing we have to do. There's this book called The Greatest Thing in the World. It's by Henry Drummond. Anybody ever heard of Henry Drummond? It was first published in 1891. That's how old this book is. And still today, if you picked it up and read it, it would be completely profound. And all he does is go through 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and define what everything in there means. And the book's about that thick. It's whittle. It's whittle, bitty. It's a whittle book. I read slow and on my Kindle, you know, because your Kindle kind of picks up on what your pace is and it tells you how much longer you got in the book. Y'all ever notice that? Yeah, anybody got a Kindle? Some people. In the bottom left-hand corner, I think, is where it is, where it says how many minutes you got left or hours or days or whatever, depending on the size of the book, on how slow you're going. It takes me about 25 minutes to go through this book and I'm a slow reader. There's not much to it. But it's so profound because it takes a simple subject, which is called the subject of love, which is probably the hardest thing you will ever do. 
defines how it works, what it is that God's trying to get us to do, how it relates back to God, and what we can do to better ourselves to walk in it. And it takes me 25 minutes to read. 25 minutes. To figure out how to properly use the secret ingredient of life. Isn't this fun? Y'all want to watch the movie again? That was probably what we need to do. Everybody's like, ugh. Ugh. Greg, I want to have one of those services where we turn on the lights and God moves and he does everything. And there's miracles that take place. Guess what? That's what we really are having. That's what we're really having here. Because if this is straight and this is lined up, the power of God will flow in your life and the anointing will flow in your life so much so that you will be amazed at what all God is doing. You're like, oh my Lord, he is just moving all over the place. Why is this happening? Because we've added the secret ingredient. <laughs> we added the love of God. Hmm. I'm going to do something else. I know y'all want to go and I'm going I'm to keep you. I'm going to keep you on purpose. Mm -hmm. Come on, open up phone for a throw you across this room that short fuse this is an excerpt from the, from the movie from the book I've done this before I think in here where love is God is see how simple it is if you're having a trouble with a relationship and something going on in your life with some people, is God in it? The only way to answer that is whether or not love's in there. This love. Four through eight love. Where love is, God is. He that dwells in love dwells in God because God is love. Therefore, love, without distinction, without calculation, without procrastination, love. Lavish it upon the poor where it, is very, where it is very easily and especially upon the rich who often need it most. Most of all, upon your equals where it is very difficult for whom and for whom perhaps we each do the least of all. It's real easy to love on the poor. It's kind of hard to love on the rich who probably need it the most. But we very rarely do it with our equals. And we do it least of all. There is a difference between trying to please and giving pleasure. There's a difference between trying to please and giving pleasure. Give pleasure. Lose no chance of giving pleasure, for that is the, care, the ceaseless and anonymous triumph of a truly loving spirit. I shall pass through this world but once. Any good thing, therefore, that I can do or any kindness that I can show to any human being, let me do it now. Let me not defer it or neglect it, for I shall not pass this way again. We got one life to live. And it can be a life of hate and disdain and drama. Or it can be a life of love. And know that we have been sent here by God to be a pilgrim in a land that we do not live in, that we're not from, to show how things are really supposed to be in his kingdom. And we walk that out in front of people and then we go home. You're not going to pass this way ever again.
God believes in you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, that hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been shed abroad or poured out in your spirit or in your, in your heart by the Holy Spirit. God believes in you so much He gave you all of this love and put it in you. He believes that you're going to use it and use it well. He believes that you will be crafty with it and that you'll take it and learn about it and let it grow in you as a fruit of the Spirit and let it grow in you so you can better operate and show Him everywhere you go. He believes in you. God knows you can do it. He expects you to do it. So much so that He made it so simple that all you have to do is to continue to walk in this love and you won't fail. Whatever you're believing for will come to pass. You may not have it today. It may not happen immediately, but it will come to pass. Because His love will not fail. He believes in you. He knows you can do it. You only got one shot at this thing. One shot. And then we go on. We go home. Go be with Him. He sends some more people. Go do the same thing. It's like this big wheel. You know? Some people, some people departing. Some people, are, you know, got depart departures and arrivals from heaven. I thought it was funny. Whoever laughed with me. Love. I dare you. I triple dog dare you. Let's all stand. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father.